You are listening to Youth Voice Alaska. Welcome back to Onward, where we share stories from youth about overcoming and dealing with challenges. This is a production of StoryWorks, Say It, and Alaska Teen Media Institute. I'm Taylor Heckert. And I'm Anna Wen. And we're members of Say It, which is StoryWorks Alaska's youth team. This is our third installment in Onward, called Getting By, Stories of Coping with Difficult Situations. Our first story is from Emma, who found new passions after old doors closed. My story has a little bit of a confusing beginning point because it kind of started the day I was born. So I'll just skip ahead and start when I was five with the first actual incident. Um, I was five years old in kindergarten and I was just like a typical little five-year-old girl. I liked playing with Barbies and I just, I was very innocent and yeah, just five-year-old girl. And my favorite class was music. It, to my dad's dismay because he was a gym teacher and he was very, very determined on getting me to love gym class the most. And he already had put me in gymnastics and karate and ballet and swimming by the time I was five years old. Um, but by kindergarten, I had quit all that because I had, mo- I had to move to Alaska from Colorado where I lived. Um, and so I was in music class one day and I was sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor with like those little carpet squares, you know, because you're in elementary school, that's what you do. And I felt like something, like I described it as popping out back then in my knee. I didn't know what it was and it didn't really hurt. It just felt kind of uncomfortable. And I didn't like attention to myself like I don't now, so this is kind of hard. But um, so I sat there just uncomfortable for the whole class period, just like listening to music or whatever. And then until it was the end of the class and the whole class stood up and got in a line and I didn't really say anything. I just sat there on the floor, which kind of confused my music teacher. He came up to me and he was like, Emma, what's wrong? And I was like, my knee's stuck. I, I didn't know how else to describe it, but I couldn't straighten it past here, like a little over 90 degrees. That was as far as it would go. And so they brought like this wheelie recliner chair that teachers use, you know, and they're like, okay, hey, we're going to put you on this and take you to the nurse. I was like, okay. So they like started putting me up, and, but my leg accidentally straightened and it like popped out. And I was like, okay, it didn't hurt anymore. Like it hurt when I did that. I was like, okay, and I stood up and I walked in a line. I'm like, let's go. I thought that was normal. That's not normal at all. Um, that happened several more times throughout my elementary school years, in gym class, taking a math test, all through that. Um, until in sixth grade one time, I was at recess and I just, I jumped, but when I landed, my knee did it one time, but this time was different. It felt like my knee had caught fire rather than just popping out because I tore a ligament completely in half. I tore my MPFL, and the popping out was actually my knee dislocating all those years. So after this happened, I was super confused. I was like, why is this happening to me and nobody else in my class? This doesn't make any sense. My mom sat me down. She's like, Emma, I haven't told you this but I might have given you this genetic disease that I have. It's called Elhurst-Danlos Syndrome. How many of you know what that is? Show of hands. Yeah, it's because I told you. (laughs) So my body doesn't create enough collagen to hold my joints together, so I can do like weird things. Like my joints just don't hold together very well. And like, so my muscles have to work extra hard to hold them together for it. And so sometimes, like I guess it just, gave out, my muscles were tired or whatever, and my knees just dislocate sometimes. So that happened, and throughout middle school, it got worse. Like, I think I couldn't go throughout a sports season 
without getting injured. Like my friends know this, I'm always injured. And so my dad, he sits me down one day and he is a sports maniac. He loves sports. And he started me in basketball when I was nine years old. I didn't even know I was going to play basketball. He put a jersey on me. He's like, good luck. Like <laughs> he loved me playing basketball. And he was like, you're going into high school soon. I'm like, I know dad. And he says, and you might have to stop playing basketball, which shocked me so much. I was like, you, who are you? And what have you done with my dad? Because I didn't think he could ever be able to say that because of how much he loves basketball. And I love basketball. But throughout middle school, it's like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Like the pain was getting more overwhelming than the actual fun of the sport. Cause like now for basketball, I have to wear a knee brace on each knee and an ankle brace on each ankle. And for a little bit, I even wore a wrist brace because I broke my wrist. Um, and so that sucked, <laughs> but I've started new things. Now I play five instruments in band and I take two bands a day and that's awesome. I love band and it's starting, I think to get a little more than sports. I also quit volleyball and I joined tennis, which is really, off the charts. I don't think I'd ever do that. I was like, what's tennis? But um, it's a low impact sport. I don't have to run braces, which is awesome. And so I did that and I feel a little bit better than I did at volleyball because I kind of started, hey, volleyball, you're diving. That hurts my knees a lot. So like I started giving up sports, even though I love sports and my dad loves sports. My family loves sports. And I started giving it up and I've started doing new things like band and I'm writing a novel right now and everything's kind of changing but that's not for the worse. It's getting for the better. And I mean, it's kind of cliche, but it's closing one door. That was a big door in my life. It's opening a bunch of new little doors and I'm exploring them and it's pretty great. Thank you. Thank you, Emma, for reminding us that our obstacles do not define us and that we can find new strengths, gain skills, and surprise ourselves. Next is Avril, who experiences a significant loss at an early age. So I'm an only child, and for me, that means that I get really attached to my cousins, and I really I care about them. I think about them. I'm older than most of them, so they look up to me in a way. So when I was eight years old, my Uncle Elliot and my Aunt Kristen were expecting their first kid. And I mean, everyone was excited. I was excited, obviously. And a lot of my anticipation really built up over a long period of time. We went out to New York for her baby shower. I thought about this kid. I was so ready and I just, yeah. So there's a day I'm never gonna forget. On October 11th, 2011, I was in third grade. I came home from school. Both of my parents were home, which is kind of unusual. And they said, ah, we, need to, we need to tell you something. And they were sitting on the couch. And I was in the ottoman facing them. And um, they said, we didn't want to tell you this this morning because we didn't want to ruin your day. And we didn't know all the details. But the night before, Kristen had gone into labor and there had been uh, complications. And they'd lost Violet. I didn't, I didn't know, at first it didn't really sink in what that meant, and then once it did, all I did was just scream and cry, because I didn't, I didn't get it. I mean, it was the first time I dealt with a death that just didn't seem fair, you know? When I was four years old and my grandparents passed, everyone in the family was able to rationalize it. 
I mean, they were in their 80s, they'd lived a long time, they'd had health problems, it was fine. No one could do that about Violet. My parents, my mom, she didn't really know how to comfort me because even she hadn't ever really dealt with this. It was new for all of us. And it took me a really long time to even come to terms with it. And before I ever did, I bottled up the emotions about it to the point I never thought about it because I didn't want to think about it because it hurt so much. And when I would bottle it up, the times it would come back, it would hurt more and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to talk about it and it would just get worse. And, it, and eventually I got to the point where I am now, I'm able to talk about it and not break down into tears. And I feel a little bit narcissistic making this my story because it's not really my thing, but I had to realize when I decided to tell this, it did affect me. It has affected the way I view the world, the way I view mortality, a lot of my outlooks on life in terms of how you should live and how you should behave. The world is its dark and it's messy and it's really unfair. And you can't do anything about it. You just, you just deal, you just live. You just try to be as good of a person as possible because it's all finite. And I got to a point as well where I realized part of the healing process is that you don't think about it all the time. I felt bad recently when I first decided this would be my topic. I felt bad that I hadn't thought about or talked about it more I mean, I realized I've thought about it more in the last week than I had in the last two years. And then I just got mad at myself and I found myself spiraling into the what ifs. You know, the fact she'd probably be seven years old and she'd probably have blonde hair like her parents. And then I had to stop myself and my parents said this too, that it was just so unhealthy to think like that. And I've realized that, you know, I'm not gonna say that the family grew from it, but in a way we, we learned a lot. Elliot and Kristen, they did what I've realized you have to do, they kept living. I mean, now they have three kids. One of them is adopted, and then the second one is four months younger than his older brother. So you can do that math if you want. Um, and while we are all, you know, we still it still hurts a little bit. It doesn't hurt as much. And my aunt Carol, she said something I think really I think the most profound about the way you deal with grief. Um, you don't you don't get past it. You don't get through it. You know, you you go th you deal with it and you heal eventually, but you're never over it. You know, it's never done. And I'd say that for me, I'm never gonna, you know, I'm never gonna forget that day I was sitting in the ottoman and they told me, but I'm at the point, it's far enough away. It, it's almost, it's numbed a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Avril. You've shown us that coping is a journey and everyone will travel at their own pace. Finally, let's hear from Lila, who found a remedy through comedy. Since I was little, I always really loved comedy because when I was little, I always played outside. <laughs> well, not now, but still. I always fell off stuff because I'm a really clumsy person. I always just didn't really look where I was walking. I'd just be running through a playground, suddenly I fell. <laughs> And my dad started running over to me instead of saying, oh my gosh, are you okay? He would tell me a funny joke instead and I would forget that I, was, I even fell. And I always associated comedy for feeling better. And, and I always really loved comedy, but 
I only really found a certain particular love for stand-up comedy around seventh grade when I was 12. It was during summer for some odd reason. I know what it is now, but I had gallstones. It's these little tiny like salt balls that grow in your gall bladder. It's really terrible, but it caused me that whole day to just be sick. I was just throwing up. It's just, ugh, it's just a bad day. I just thought I had like food sickness, but though, but I was like really tired all day, but I was, because it was a work day, I was home alone, but I had Pandora on my phone. So I found this comedy station and I thought maybe this will help. And when I put it on, it was really, really funny. The first joke I heard, it wasn't like the best joke ever, but I thought it was hilarious. It's Jim Gaffigan joke about McDonald's. <laughs> it's like they should show a commercial five minutes after a McDonald's. I think I'm again, again, a coma. <laughs> do, 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 do. Regrets. <laughs> I thought it was just so hilarious. And it's just laughing the whole time that I forgot I even felt sick. And <laughs> that must be a pretty hard job <laughs> because I was really sick. <laughs> and it kept on occurring over and over. I kept on getting sick. It was just once every other month, you know, I just thought I just kept on getting sick. I should watch what I eat instead of being random junk. <laughs> then, and I still always listen to comedy because I think, you know, it's still pretty good. It's the only thing that helps me calm down. Then it got worse and worse. It was terrible. It turned into like once every month and once every week and every other day. It was terrible. It took like a year for those doctors to find out that I had gallstones. It's just, ugh, I miss so much school. The only thing that helped me get through through those terrible times was listening to comedy all the time. Ah, it's really, it's soothing to hear someone else's story and how relatable it is. It's just, I don't know, it just made me really happy. Then around spring break, I don't know what month it is, I think March, I finally got the news that I will be going under surgery. I was really, really scared because I was never under the knife before. And I was like, what the heck? I'm so nervous. <laughs> uh, but luckily, also I found out that day, they just released the new John Mulaney special on Netflix. <laughs> so I was more worried about that than actually with surgery. Like, oh man, how am I gonna listen to this on time? I got here now. <laughs> So during the hours waiting for my surgery, I didn't even care about the other stuff. I hurry and grab my phone and listen to it. And it really helped me because he's one of my favorite comedians. I just, the whole entire time, instead of stressed out about in surgery, I was more stressed about hearing the stories of John Mulaney. It was, then after surgery, I found out I had 16 gallstones. My gallbladder is terrible. It's rare for kids to get it, let alone to have 16 of them. And I decided I really want to keep them, so I freak out my siblings. I would have brought them today, but uh, my mom threw them out because she thought it was too gross. <laughs> and I brought it home, and whenever I had guests over, I showed them <laughs> to freak them out, like, look at me, these rocks. <laughs> uh, 
and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but now I still listen to comedy whenever I get stressed out or I'm just tired. It just always helps me through a bad time. And through that, I learned no matter how bad things get, the comedy is really the best medicine. Thank you. Thanks, Lila. It's always good to remember that we can find light in a dark situation. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Seeking Help, the fourth installment in Onward from Youth Voice Alaska. This is Taylor Heckert and Anna Wen from Say It with our producer Cody Liska from Alaska Teen Media. Our music is by Charlotte Severin and a big thank you to the Alaska State Council on the Arts and StoryWorks Alaska.